This is the NXT review here on Laws of Pain YouTube and Laws of Pain Radio or whatever have you, wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching. Uh, my name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and we are live here on YouTube and also available in podcast form. Links in the description or head over to wrestlingheadlines.net slash Laws of Pain. This week I was meant to be joined by uh, Josh Robinson, but he's, uh, he's experienced some uh, issues and uh, therefore I'm going to be doing this solo. Hence the really early time, I'm on Australia time, slash... The noise here, my house will start like vibrating with drilling and things in about an hour. <laughs> so I need to get this done, <laughs> like fast. Hence why I couldn't go Australia nighttime, because yeah, my, it's like noise to like 4pm or so. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm going to blast through this. And yes, I've watched NXT, created all these assets and things, got it all ready by 7am. Look at my eyes. Yeah, I'm knackered. <laughs> Flipping knackered. Uh, excuse, I've got, I have made notes, so hopefully m- the words I say, even though my brain may wander, the words will make sense because <laughs> I've made notes while I was watching the show, and hopefully it all works and is all yeah, there's no issues whatsoever <laughs> and everything. Even though I look half dead, so yeah, I'm having a nap after this. <laughs> but anyway, I will be just going to quickly check the sounds working. There we go, it sounds like it's coming through. Hopefully it's my actual microphone and not not my laptop mic, but you know, I'm too knackered flipping it on with it. So today's topic, as you can tell, is the uh, fact that there were titles being defended. And it was, it's, NXT is quite a short show, so it's not really worth me breaking it up. And as it is about the titles, I can start at the top, start with Keith Lee and work my way through the show. No, end with the main event this week. Like That's pretty rare for me to actually end on like just the standard <laughs> just to end on the main event like no i normally do that first because i'm weird uh, but anyway so it kicked off the show as i said with the north american and new nxt champion keith lee he dedicates his victory to tim brooks his trainer who passed away last week and the nxt universe uh, and then he calls out his frenemy dominic dijakovic uh, Keith Lee did a whole like emotional speech, uh, like as a champion, in his also in his in his own unique way, where he's kind of calm, but also got that air of a badass, which I can't do. <laughs> but he's all he, he's awesome when he does that. He's got it's such a unique aura that he's so difficult to pass off as like not going too far the other way. Like he either become full on badass or he become a bit too quiet, and he gets the balance just right, or like or like maybe one of the parts drops, but no, he, that balance is just there. Uh, but anyway, he calls out his frenemy, as he called him, Dominic Dijakovic. And Lee says there is no better way to honour these titles than competition. And he lays down the challenge for the big creation to face him right here tonight. Right here in the Performance Centre, live. Uh, Dijakovic is somewhat hesitant. Obviously not prepared for this at all. But Lee persuades him to just say yes. Uh, the faux crowd chant along and the big lad agrees. Uh, we got ourselves a big boy match. <laughs> so that is uh, to come later in the show, not the main event, because the main event is the NXT Women's Championship, which has been set beforehand, and they stuck with it. Which is, like, you don't always get that main event roster, but in NXT, they announce something as a main event, they're going to stick with it like ahead of time, even if it's weeks in advance, even if something pops up, they tend to stick with the story. No difference here. Uh, that's just to quickly set up a segment later. Uh, quickly move on to segment two, Damien Peace versus Cameron Grimes. And the reason why I kind of want to get on is, uh, if I'm right, this episode of NXT wasn't live and was taped, if I'm if I'm remembering it correctly. Because I can't remember if, this, if this, this is the week that they taped stuff like for the pay-per-view one the week after or whatever, or if last week was like a double one and then they start with the pay-per-view. 
or they ended with it. I can't remember. <laughs> but for me, it felt it was very strong that this episode had editing in it because the editing was weird, especially the sound. As I, I know there are quite a few viewers who just don't care. <laughs> like it's not an issue for them. But for me, when the sound editing is when I can hear it clearly come in, it doesn't. It's not mixed very well, and you can hear the sound difference. Like it's, that's been an issue in WWE for years. Like it's, I find it really difficult to watch SmackDowns, especially from the noughties, just because like the sound mixing on those SmackDowns for the crowd noises is really bad. And in like the tens, the decade that's just gone, like they really did stick out how bad they were. Whenever they tried to edit in the crowd noise, it just sounded awful. Like every time, <laughs> and maybe that's because it's an outdated technique or because they're mixing it badly. And like in a rushed way to get it out and move on to the next product, but I got that sense here. It wasn't SmackDown bad, but there was the odd cheer which felt like it came in just for like they needed an umph for a moment, so they piped in a cheer. And for me, that takes me out of the match when that happens. Like I lose my investment in what's happening because it distracts me. Again, that's not an issue for everybody, but for me, when I hear that happening, it just takes me out. And that happened throughout the show, and I, it, I noticed it first in Damien Priest, Cameron Grimes. Maybe that's because I wasn't as invested in this match, so something stuck out. But I felt it later as well in the matches I did get about. It's again, that's my, I guess, little critique that I am like one of my massive turnoffs is fake crowd noise. Like even even though the faux crowd, I take the piss. I call them the faux crowd for a reason. <laughs> but it's so much better than actually them. Like if they weren't there and they were just pressing buttons to make crowd noises. That'd be so much worse. It's <laughs> not even close. This is by far the better option having the crowd there where they're told to cheer. Uh, like, oh, if you remember the... Oh, I don't think they exist anymore, but it'd be the programmes that were on television where it'd be just... You'd have a band playing music and there'd be people there dancing live and then it's, and it's like a big studio and there'd be... Uh, the band perform live. Over here we had, top, we had Top of the Pops. I'm certain there was stuff like it in America. Uh, it's like in a TV studio and the band would play live, and you've got a crowd there dancing, but the crowd aren't really dancing to, in their own volition or cheering at their own point. There's people holding up boards telling them to do it. <laughs> so this crowd are like that. They're the crowd that have been brought in, and they, when someone lifts up a board, they do what the board says. <laughs> so the, the crowd feels a lot like that to me. And in the Keith Lee, uh, Dajakovic promo, for me there were a couple of times where I felt like a live crowd would have responded to that, but the faux crowd didn't. So maybe that's the difference between... Like, reactions which you can't predict, or you can only predict for a certain amount, like a live crowd, or reactions that you are trying to dictate. It's like, yeah, you won't get those na- kind of natural bursts of crowds coming together to support something, or be against something. Yeah, I felt that in the opening promo. Again, the opening promo, still, nothing against the thing itself, it's just like a minor production thing. Again, I said this when I was talking about Raw on Tuesday, when I critique NXT... I have the bar so high that these are like nitpick things, like the, because all like for me all like the minor things they are all met, and I put the bar so high that these are like nitpick things to kind of erode some of the side things that aren't really problems, but because the bar is higher, these little nitpicks are at least worth mentioning now. It's like these kind of nitpicks aren't worth mentioning with Raw SmackDown because there's so many other things I want to talk about or critique or address on NXT. I enjoy so much of it, and it's kind of so much my cup of tea, and then the pacing of the shows is normally so well done that, that yeah, it may, I feel like I can critique these smaller details, <laughs> just because, um, yeah, I enjoy the show so much. Anyway, so Damien Priest versus Cameron Grimes is our first match of the night. 
the southern boy attempted to get in a quick shot on the arch of infamy, but nah. Uh, that didn't go well. Uh, this is the new year of NXT Dummy. That stuff don't work no more. Uh, Priest beat him down, forcing the man to roll to the outside in the attempt to get back into the match. It works. Uh, Suicida, a, a nice black hole slam thing. A black hole like side slam thing. It looked awesome. Uh, and Grimes had control back as we headed into the break. Uh, swinging right back with a Priest fist as soon as we returned. Uh, turning into a pretty fast back and forth. A uh, Raiders Edge onto the ring apron, and that was when Grimes. It, the momentum swung to Grimes fighting his way back in, ha, back in, having to survive and counter as Priest controlled the match. A personal pet peeve: Razor's Edge as the mid-match momentum clincher. A, a bit much for me. <laughs> Just as a, I guess again, a little minor critique. Because um, again, I still thought the match was fine, um, but it just in terms of. I guess escalation in the match. There was nothing bigger than that, and it was that move was used for me. That was the match move where you can end on that. But having it in the middle as a momentum swinger, uh, I felt like maybe it was a bit, I guess, too big, a bit too much because no other move matched it or came close to it, and it swung momentum. Like you can do what the reason this that move was used. You can use a completely different move for that and use that, this move at the end to kind of finish it because it's the most devastating of the lot. And then for, I guess the other part for me was the camera guys kicked out and then he started doing offense because that was the kind of match they were doing. So the move just felt out of place with the kind of match they were doing. It was the biggest move of the match, it was the most devastating move of the match, and then Cameron Grimes wrestled as if it was a momentum swinger rather than a purely devastating move onto the ring apron. It's, uh, yeah, it's no longer the most dangerous part. If anything, it's like every other part of the ring because most people can nowadays just get back up and continue. <laughs> it just, uh, yeah, it loses its oh kind of feeling. For me personally, I still like. I'm on Twitter. I see people still enjoying those moments. And they're like, "Good for you." For me, it's being diluted, and that kind of sucks. <laughs> Even though I still enjoy, I still enjoy the flow of the match. It's just that that kind of stuck out to me. Yeah, but uh, the momentum of the match kind of stayed back and forth. Though uh, the end coming after Grimes committed the heel crime of chatting shit, uh, an attentive charge missed and hung Grimes up in the ropes. A priest grabs him for the crossroads or whatever he calls it. For the win, it's probably something to do with bows and arrows. Uh, and he grabs the win. It pu pushing Punishment Martinez does that a little bit more. What's he called, bloody NXT? Scroll up, Damien Priest. <laughs> I'm one of those people who sucks at names. It's not... I wouldn't call it a nerdy wrestling fan calling them by their indie names. It's not a suck at names. <laughs> Just flat out. In real life, I suck as well. Like, I often have to create nicknames in my head to remember people. Because <laughs> I suck that much. But... Uh, but yeah, so um, Damien Priest, and then he forgot his name again. Uh, Damien Priest, this was kind of making him look like look like he can clinch a match where the momentum did swing against him. Uh, I guess a bit more of a difficult threat in the form of Trevor Lee. <laughs> Just forget his name as well. <laughs> Cameron Grimes. Uh, yeah, it's it's fine. Again, that that um, move that reaches edge onto the ring apron. Yeah, for me that that kind of. I kind of lost my investment in the bit afterwards because again I didn't mind that bit that bit itself I, I reacted to it it got that reaction out of me but when the match continued afterwards I just kind of lost it lost, I lost my investment in it it's like oh that move didn't really have that much of an impact then uh, even though in the moment it was sold as if it would uh, but they're like a half a minute later Kevin Grimes is jumping about super kicking <laughs> just like oh oh okay then yeah uh, what do you think is that just an issue for me like uh, do you do the listeners mind either way um, 
that not an issue for them? If you want to see cool stuff, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> but other time, I just want to see cool stuff. And normally, this stuff doesn't affect me, but it stood out tonight. Uh, anyway, uh, match number three. I should know this a bit before that. Uh, we got a awesome. Yeah, I can't skip this bit. We got an awesome Thatch as Thatch can a VTR. A pretty clever promo showing us why Thatcher is so dangerous via him leading a training session on submission. Uh, he locked in the Fujiwara armbar and was explaining to the class why it's so painful. This is such a simple idea and I absolutely love it. <laughs> it's, a, it's the type of thing where you don't need to overthink it. Just Thatcher, who is like... As he is this kind of submission master. It would make sense that people want to learn from him, and he would take his ego would take pride in that, teaching the next generation why he is so great, why he is so dangerous, and explain to them move by move why. So yeah, I like that, and it led into the match later as well. Just all the thumbs up. <laughs> uh, match number three, or segment number three, match number two. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart versus Indy Hartwell, uh, aka Shotzi beats up an Australian. <laughs> Just here, yeah, I get to do the accent. <laughs> a uh, really nice uh, Rana with uh, Blackheart lifting off the top rope. Well, not the top rope, off the top and sending Hartwell into the turnbuckle. She kind of like, flipped into a Rana and sent her into the turnbuckle. It, looked, it was awesome. Uh, Indy got some nice offense in as well. Uh, looking good, but this was really a Shotzi showcase. Uh, corner splash from her, uh, a reverse sling blade face plant thing, which looked really cool. Uh, multiple strikes as well, as uh, Shotzi was running riot. That was until uh, Robert Stone came out, uh, but Shotzi was unbothered. Uh, the referee was distracted though, uh, so but Shotzi just focused on Hartwell. Uh, she hit a running knee in the corner and an awesome little DDT to kind of flow together. Uh, she then climbed to the top rope with her opponent down, but Aaliyah pushes her off with Robert Stone distracting the referee, because the referee had been distracted, even if Shotzi hadn't. And Aaliyah comes in, pushes her off the top rope. A running high boot from Hartwell, and the Australian wins! <laughs> Hartwell with the upset. Uh, not as straightforward a victory for Shotzi as we'd thought. I guess she's going to have to... F it's the odds you have to fight against, or she's going to have to get a tag team partner for next week, so we have a mixed tag. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we get her versus Aaliyah next week, with Robert Stone there, then... She still loses because of the numbers game, and then she gets a pal to help her out. Oh no, because I was going to say, could it be Killian Dane? But no, Killian Dane's got the match with uh, creepy uh, Dexter Loomis. <laughs> He's got the match with Dexter Loomis next week, so maybe not then. Anyway, uh, moving on. The uh, we got a backstage interview with Tegan Knox. Uh, what was it? The interviewer asked, "What's it going to take for her to win?" And she says that she's faster, stronger, and shinier than she's ever been. Uh, like Molly Holly and Kane, she'll write her name in history as champion. Uh, again, perfectly fine delivery. It's one of those things where, if the character stuff in past episodes and happenings and takeovers wasn't there, I would have seen this as pretty generically fine. But with the added character stuff of watching the show, it kind of all makes sense, and you understand her character. So it doesn't feel as generic if you know the context. <laughs> Maybe you watched it fa flat on. It's like, yeah, it's, it's fine. Uh, VTR, play, play. Uh, Legado del Fantasma toast their victory. So I've haven't had a habit before of like going through the like in arena segments, but on this NXT there are some really good video packages. Uh, this was possibly my favourite of the night. Oh, the one to open the show was amazing as well, where it was showing Keith Lee winning, but then also then showing all of the people kind of targeting those titles, so he's got all the all the eyes are focused on Keith Lee, so many targets, and in fact, like, I really like that as just setting up the scene for NXT, 
before Keith Lee comes out and celebrates. That you understand the consequences of him winning before he comes out to celebrate. I really liked that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so we got uh, this VTR with Legado de Fantasma as they toasted their victory. Uh, they took the piss out of their opponents and sang the praises of themselves. Uh, they're going to tear down the cruiserweight division in order to bring them back up. Andy, like, really... Uh, Santos Escobar really put over uh, the other two guys. Oh, DJ Z, what's he called in... Bloody... <laughs> Next day. But yeah, Zima Iron, that's his other former name. What's he... Uh, oh, Joaquin Phoenix. There we go. No, Joaquin Wild. Joaquin Phoenix is the actor. <laughs> Joaquin Wild and uh, Val Mendez. Mendoza. Bloody hell. Uh, yeah, so uh, Escobar put both of those two over. He could be Escobar, Escobar, the name I forget, but no. <laughs> but yeah, so he put over his two guys and they kind of showed little snippets in the ring as well. So kind of expanding on the group and the stable a little bit more. They're making them a bit more than just like Escobar and his goons. Like, no, actually giving them character, kind of building them up a tad. Give them some gravitas other than just guys in suits next to them looking cool but getting defeated. Like, no, it's more than that. And I like that. NXT are normally pretty good at making the people within the stables feel like they equally matter. It's very rarely that you get a like a very strong ladder where they don't matter. Like Undisputed Era is a fantastic example. Even though Adam Cole's at the top, they all feel important. They all feel relevant. The group feels as one. Uh, you, get, you get the sense in like, pretty much all of them. Uh, after that, we got a recap of Keith Lee's double title match win last week. Aided with the social and wrestling media reactions. Uh, and that was to lead us into the fact that that much was up next. And this is when it hit me. NXT had set up one hell of a second half of the show. where And that's where I got the title for this episode. Just suddenly, that oh, all the, like, these titles are all on the line in the second half of the show. They've loaded it. And um, there was a match in between, which kind of killed time. But yeah, the second half was loaded. Because personally, the card for AW Fight, of, not Fight, Fest, uh, Fight for the Fallen... I thought the card for that looked so strong. Like you got the title match at the end with John Moxley and Brian Cage, and then you got Pentagon, you got the Lucha Bros versus the Revival. It's like there's nothing on NXT <laughs> with that amount of hype and build that's going to get me invested. But uh, the, the, it was a solid second half of the show. So we kicked it off with the winner take all North American and NXT Championships: uh, Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic. These aren't your ordinary big boys. A uh, very respectful start that grew and grew into the mighty outstaging contest we've been so lucky to become accustomed to from these two over this past year or so. Uh, elevating from holds and chains to chops and counters to raw power and unworldly athleticism. Like, just exactly what we've become used to. But I say like a TV version. I feel like their peak was at TakeOver, whichever the, that TakeOver was. Uh, from, it would have been the Rumble, wouldn't it? Because they weren't able to do one after that. But like, that was their kind of peak. And this was a, another good outing, <laughs> but of course, you know, it's not going to reach the peak because like, they're not going to steal the thunder from the main event, and I was never expecting them to. So this met kind of the bar I was expecting it to hit going in. It's like, it was a fun little, uh, as a moment anyway, it was a fun little callback to last week as well, where Lee was charging around ringside for a big-ass pounce, but this time he's able to stop himself when Dijakovic dodged the train. Like, no plexiglass for Keith this week. Uh, just... A nice little throwback to last week. Uh, Lee hit the finish for, from the Priest Grimes match where he, uh, Dij Dijakovic was on the ropes and then he hit a crossroads type thing. I feel like he might have gone the other way. But it looked so damn smooth. <laughs> like Lee's like twice the size of... obviously, uh, and, uh, Well, Dijakovic is much, much bigger than Cameron Grimes as well, but 
that hit him on the move was so damn smooth. <laughs> Did not mean to burn like that. Uh, Dijakovic uh, flew with a blockbuster, followed up with kicks. Uh, but then when he went to the top rope again, he got chopped right down. And when he oh, he, got, uh, he got chopped right down when he jumped off going for a dive. Uh, followed up by one hell of a power lift as the champion slammed the creation high and down onto the mat. That was awesome. Keasley just let out a scream after that. Just the flexing his muscles like ah. <laughs> um, big bang catastrophe and the double champion retained. Fun middle of the show contest. Like nowhere near the previous mental heights. But uh, this night they weren't upstaging the women's main event. They put on a solid middle of the show match which made me pay attention. It did, it did its job where it was. <laughs> essentially. And it's a level I was expecting. So yeah, uh, Dijakovic got an interview after some like ad breaks and whatnot. Jigs, uh, he. Now I'm an idiot. I need to talk about the uh, after the match. I can't talk about the next bit without talking about the uh, afterwards. Uh, afterwards, there was a respect shown between the two of them, and uh, then the lights went down, and Scarlett Bordeaux walks down the now fog covered ramp. Uh, she tipped a bag onto the ring. She was stood at ringside and poured it on. And out pours the shattered remains of the sand timer. Carrion Cross's intentions appear to have been made. He's not going after Gargano. He is going after Keith Lee. And this was a more interesting way of doing it. Like, continuing that, the way that the Carrion Cross character kind of gets across what he wants to do. Just keeping it unique. And, yeah, and using Scarlet Bordeaux as well as like a, a central part of it. Yeah, really, really like it. Uh, that led to the next bit. Again, I had to redo that bit. I can't mention the first bit about then going into the interview with Dijakovic. Uh, he put over Keith Lee, uh, and he says that uh, Karrion Cross is not on the same level as the champion. Uh, Keith Lee's on another crazy level right now. Um, you call, and he arrives. Uh, Karrion Cross gets up in Dijakovic's face, and the two quickly end up in a brawl, ending in Cross launching Dijak over a barricade and onto the hard concrete. And he just lays there, just out, just done. <laughs> and that's and that's that. And yeah, we got the message, and then we got it kind of doubly delivered as well. Uh, and then we get an announcement later in the show, uh, which I'll get to when I get to it. Uh, match, or no, segment number five, match number four, uh, Timothy Thatcher versus Denzel Dejonet. Uh, Dejonet gave it a go, uh, but the Professor of Pain traps him quick, forcing the man to tap out to that half-crab ankle lock thing. He has a better name, but that's just how I described it at like half past two in the morning. Uh, after the match, he locks it in again, uh, locking, making the save, and forcing Thatcher up the ramp. Quick and simple. Get us set for our main event. <laughs> you had the Thatcher VTR. You had the Thatcher match here, where he showed, like he told essentially did the teacher thing, where he, he told you what he was going to tell us. He told us it, and then here he told us showed us what he told us. <laughs> it's like oh, it's really, and then he did it again afterwards as well, just to definitely make sure we've got it. <laughs> it's like yes. Uh, uh, teach, us, teach us, Timothy. Teach us. <laughs> uh, but yeah, gets him across as badass, and only Lorcan runs out as well, so we're getting those two again. Get ready for your, your Thatcher's Thatch can rematch once again. Uh, so this, then we went a little bit of a flashback to earlier in the day uh, with Robert Stone, who apologised to Killian Dane uh, in the I guess, foyer. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Uh, but Aaliyah walks in with a Dexter Loomis drawing with them all as caricatures, and Dane is not happy. He yells at Stone to get him a match with Dexter Loomis, 
And that's when we flash forward to the card. A couple of matches announced for next week. Uh, we get that match exactly, uh, immediately confirmed for next week. Uh, along with the slightly bigger Karrion Cross versus Dominic Dijakovic. Yes, the new era of NXT, main eventing NXT. Because uh, one of the things I were like, hammering home during the show was that Dominic Dijakovic is deciding what to do with his career in WWE. He's deciding on his future, what he wants to do next. Um, which I find a bit interesting because that means that he could decide, are they saying he could decide to move to Raw or SmackDown? Or were they kind of using that as a bit of a, we, uh, who knows, or, uh, maybe it's a safety net as well because they're featuring him on NXT, but you know, just in case he gets called up, like he is deciding that's what's happening. Yeah. Or they don't know. <laughs> uh, who knows? Uh, anyway, yeah, big match set for next week. You can get Karen Cross over. Like if Dijakovic is on his way out, then he's had his match with Keith Lee, put him over. He can put Karen Cross out as well, set up those two feuding, and you've had a big lad put them over. So they look like beasts in defeating him. So yeah, like can't complain about that. <laughs> can't complain at all. Uh, before we get to the main event, I am going to have a swig of water. Mm. As I said before, it's a NXT. I normally blast through my notes for NXT because it's a, such a fluidly flowing show that I don't have many notes of critique I don't have many notes of oh god it's still going type of thing it's just like small, quick and to the point and then enjoy the show it's over and done like I can go to sleep <laughs> like, yeah generally enjoy it so this week the notes may be a little bit shorter than normal probably because I was writing them with the expectation of leaving room for someone else to jump in so but we're still at half an hour <laughs> like, I've made an actual length of this so, yeah, yeah, I'm proud of that. <laughs> anyway, match number six, the main event, the NXT Women's Championship, Io Shirai versus Tegan Knox. Yeah, this was great. <laughs> the most predictable thing going into Wednesday night last, yesterday was this match would be good. Uh, the champion had the early control, uh, but the challenger grew into the match more and more as it went on. Uh, rising to the challenge with the match entering an awesome back and forth flow right at the end. Uh, there was a lot more like longer periods of someone dominating than I was expecting. For some reason, I was expecting the issue of I tries to control, but then Tegan Knox kind of grows into the match and starts taking it to her a little bit more, becomes like a back and forth flowy thing. Like no, Shirai dominated most of this match, and uh, Tegan Knox then grew into it, had a little spell towards the end. But of course, if you've if you've been down the mat for so long, for such a majority of the time, like yeah, she uh, Shirai has to do a lot less to knock Knox down compared to what Knox has to do to knock Shirai down. So, yes. Uh, but early on, there was a, a damn great a springboard counter where, with Knox catching Shirai and throwing her overhead with a fallaway slam into a pin. It was just done so, so smoothly. And it's like, both women... Uh, it's good to see that these two are like really smooth together because uh, Io Shirai is just smooth in the ring anyway. And the fact that she gelled with Knox as well in that, like, oh, they could do so much great stuff <laughs> when you realise you've got that level of flow. Awesome. And uh, again, it's just a little thing like that, which I generally thought was it's a nice little thing at the beginning of the match, which by the end didn't ultimately matter, but I don't care. <laughs> it's one of my uh, things that stood out when I uh, think about it. Uh, the effects of Shirai's control uh, through the bulk of the match came into play in the end. Like Tegan was able to buy herself time and counter with style, but when, when taking more and more damage, that became increasingly difficult. Uh, no quit and determination but you have only a finite amount of energy. Uh, this was like such an assertive performance from EO, like so dominant for such a long portion. 
Uh, Knox constantly fighting back in from underneath. Uh, the Welsh woman only hitting like one move or so before again taking hit points like until the end that was, but she got a little string of it. Of course, like her hit points were like red or orange. <laughs> it took like one hit and she was in massive trouble. Um Knox finally Knox um managed to hit a string of offense like with strikes, springboards and a cane choke slam. Uh, she was charging at Shirai, and maybe charged at Shirai in the corner one too many times. Uh, the champion moving out of the way and swinging the match in her favour once again as she flew across the wing with a diving drop kick from the top rope. I think she did some more moves as well, maybe the 619, but I remember the drop kick. <laughs> again, I was writing these notes at like 3am. The main point being, she was going for the Tiger Driver, she went for it earlier in the match, and both times Knox was able to wriggle out. She was never able to hit the Tiger Driver. And I don't know if that will become a thing like in later NXT matches. Like, will Io just... She'd go for the Tiger Driver because that's her like kill move kind of thing, but she's not able to hit it. And when she does hit it, then it becomes a big thing, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Uh, this second attempt uh, to the Tiger Driver was at this end sequence, and it was countered. Uh, and she was soon on the end of a molly go-round as momentum was swinging a little bit more. Uh, afterwards, landing an awesome palm, palm strike, so actually kicked out of the molly go-round from Knox and hit her with an awesome palm strike. They sent Knox flat down to the mat and Shirai finally had her window and climbed to the top for the most beautiful moonsault in wrestling. Sorry, CD. Uh, Io Shirai retains as she celebrates on the ramp. Uh, yes. <laughs> so th- at this point, it's just like, I've seen a decent match. I'd be perfectly fine for NXT to end here. Uh, you've, we've done that thing where you've had the challenger who, in facing the champion, gets elevated. And she had moments where she was taking it to the champion but Io was dominating so well. And they did a really good job of Io again dominating that match. Like would expect like a champion of her level to do. And that, that meant a lot when uh, Knox then came back into it finally again. Because you've seen, you've seen Shirai dominate so long in the match. That the fact that she then like was suddenly in trouble. It's like, oh, this kind of means something. We've seen Knox struggle to get into this match. And now she's properly there. Um, but as Shirai was celebrating on the ramp. She's blindsided by Dakota Kai, and we go off air with the Kiwi standing over the downed NXT Women's Champion. We got our babyface, babyface match. We got our two goodies going after each other with all the heart and goodwill. Uh, now we've got Kai, who doesn't give a crap about any of that. <laughs> it's a blindside kick down to the champion. She stands over as we go over off air. And is that going to go to TakeOver, or are we going to get that a little bit earlier as well? What's the date? It's the 16th of July today. SummerSlam's not that far away, especially in terms of how quickly NXT normally build to their takeovers. Like, it's not that far away. So, uh, we've got a stream... I think Extreme Rules is the last one. Because it's just over months, there's a chance they'll do a mini pay-per-view. Because, uh, there were the rumours about Evolution, but the fact that that hasn't been announced at this point just makes me think that we're going to be going straight to SummerSlam after Extreme Rules. So, takeover's really not that long away. I mean, takeovers have no bearing <laughs> on that. There's no need for me to bring up that. But the fact that Taiko is not that long away, I feel like uh, Dakota Kai versus Io Shirai could be what we get. And the name survives, so we could do, do stuff with that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a solid episode of NXT that went by pretty quickly for me. A few segments where um, I kind of felt like I that didn't wasn't super, I wasn't anywhere yet as into it, and I didn't really feel like, uh, oh, it is NXT though, it's all about developmental and developing and building. So when I say I wasn't as invested in these moments or in these characters that 
Yes, because they're building them in NXT, and in NXT, when they're building them, they're also figuring them out, which you'd hope on the main roster, like, you don't need that same amount of time or figure, or kind of difference from week to week in figuring stuff out. Um, the Robert Stone stuff is fine. Like, um, I don't have a strong emotion against it. I don't have a strong emotion for it. It's fine. The uh, Dexter Loomis as well, where I... I mean, I, I was a massive fan of Dexter when it was airing on television. <laughs> so I've got that. I, I was entertained, I guess entertained <laughs> in parts by his runner, Sam Shaw, in uh, TNA. But I... Uh, yeah, Dexter Lewis is an interesting character. We'll see what happens there. Uh, before, yeah, I was going to tangent way too much, but no, NXT review. Keep it on NXT. Uh, but yeah, so the takeover not that long away. Like, what are they going to go straight to Keith Lee carrying Cross as well at this point with uh, like just over a month left? And the same with uh, the Vice defense. Is it going to be Dakota Kai? Will it become a bit more complicated than that? They've done a pretty good job of building up the likes of like Mia Yim, Candice LeRae, uh, Tegan Knox, and Dakota Kai. And I think I'm saying this like over this year, like you realise when they have those number one contender matches, like how stacked that roster is. And now you've got Shotzi Blackheart in there as well, who again is figuring out her NXT character, but she's one of those which is being heavily featured. They clearly uh, they have, see something in her, so you can be seeing a lot more of her. And we're just waiting essentially for, uh, I guess, for something to be announced. My assumption is tonight was telling us Io Shirai uh, versus Dakota Kai, and Keith Lee versus Karrion Cross will be our takeover headliners. And uh, but the big point being, takeover will still be at the Performance Center. So again, you can get more creative with it purely because there's not going to be that live reaction, not going to be the arena. So you can toy around, you can do stuff, you can pre-record things, and the Karrion Cross character works within that. Not really sure the match warrants it <laughs> with Keith Lee doing an awesome badass thing in the ring. Like, don't get too out there. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much what everything got to say for this show. Uh, imp score for NXT. Again, I don't give... When I say score, you know you're just going to get a sentence. But it it flowed well, but it probably wasn't as good as Fight for the Fallen. And I'm saying that without watching Fight for the Fallen. I'm just basing that on the card. <laughs> that's a little... Maybe it's a bit of a cheap <laughs> a cheap loss for me to give. <laughs> it's just it's the, the feeling watching this show was it didn't feel massive. It felt like a much more kind of low-key feeling, even though there were big title matches. Like, those title matches didn't feel massive or important. Like, there was a lot of weight to them. Like It's one of those where they maybe elevate the person, one of the people in it, but they're, like, the title's being on the line, there wasn't much tension there. So, yeah, there's that. Anyway, my eyes are getting pretty blurry, so I need to sign off and try and recover. Yeah, so I, my busy week does not end here. <laughs> so, uh, within the next two days, we're posting the Extreme Rules predictions. Uh, I've got a guess for that as well, so um, well, I'm generally excited to see what what other people come up with <laughs> for the uh, for the Extreme Rules show. Like, what are others expecting? Like, it could be anything because it's so such a weird card. <laughs> predictions for it could be pretty wild. Uh, so that will hopefully go up uh, Friday or Saturday. I'm recording that later today. And on Sunday itself, live after Extreme Rules, I'll be here for Laws of Pain Radio Aftershock. As soon as the show ends, I'll be here once again, blurry-eyed, struggling to read words on Microsoft Word, uh, aloud to you as I go through the Extreme Rules card and dissect what's happened. <laughs> it's, just, it's a busy week ahead. And genuinely, um, for me, I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. When something is so wild and random, like, I can't help but not get excited about it. 
It's just like, what are they going to do? <laughs> like, generally looking forward to it. Uh, anyway, what do you make of this week's NXT episode? Uh, uh, do you agree with kind of my rating for it or whatever? Yeah, hit me up on Twitter at the damn implicat. That's damn as in damn. Uh, pop a column, pop a comment here on YouTube. Like, subscribe, bell, whatever. Uh, also, uh, five star reviewers on the iPods and YouTube, I, iTunes. <laughs> five stars is on the iPods. <laughs> All right, granddad. Um, I'll be, I'll be back on one of the. I've already talked about this. If <laughs> you do tune in to the other shows here on Lots of Pain Radio, we've got. Um, I don't, I don't know if it's dropped yet. I need to check that if uh, All Night Wrestling uh, podcast has dropped already, but that's normally uploaded every week on the Lots of Pain YouTube channel. Uh, we've got Dynamite After Dark, which I know was live. Uh, I learned tonight that you can't create a show on the YouTube studio if, some, if someone else is live. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a little bit of information. Because they were live doing Dynamite when I was trying to set that up. So hopefully I didn't screw them over by doing that. <laughs> that's the other fingers crossed. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Dynamite After Dark is already aired. We're just waiting for YouTube to finish rendering it. So by the time this video is rendered, that video will have been rendered. But as I say this now, it's not been. Uh, so hopefully that will be uh, coming. That'll be already there. So Dynamite After Dark, which was live immediately after AW Dynamite. Uh, on Fridays, we've got the WWF, the Legacy Series, an unabridged look over the history of the now WWE with the journey of the WWF. Cannot recommend this show enough. Uh, I've already said the Extreme Rules predictions, already said Aftershock, and we've got Kingdom of Honor, which will be dropping normally on Tuesday, uh, going over TNA's like, 2005 pay-per-views. And they're not doing that, they're doing New Japan. They'll be doing Dominion, I think, next week. It's like kind of delayed thoughts. Uh, they're watching the Amer American with the English commentary, so they'll have uh, different perceptions of certain things than I did when I was watching the Japanese one, where I went live on Sunday immediately after Evil was crowned champion. I feel like I'm one of the few generally was fine with it and enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, anyway, with that I say thank you for listening to this as you've watched a very tired or listened to a very tired British person just stare at his words. Um, yeah, good. Sorry I wasn't able to elaborate that much. It's very sleepy. <laughs> so anyway, I say thank you for listening. I'll see you for the predictions. And I don't say bid you do in this one. On NXT I just say, that is that. And... Um, Goodbye. <laughs> uh, adios.